seems like the fall flies by. Get excited about birthdays. Mine is October 20th. Edge of Your Seat podcast is October 22nd. You're all pumped up. There's Halloween. You're excited about the fall weather. A little colder. You can wear hoodies and be a beanie if you want to. And then all of a sudden it's flying by. It's gone. It's getting colder. And winter is pretty much here or not too far away. Time just flies by. Wish October could go a little slower. It's already November 2nd, a Monday, and we got an action-packed show, all kinds of stuff, breaking down high school cross-country sectional action as the boys and girls ran on Saturday, wrapping up all fall sports postseasons. It's all done now. Tennis wrapped up. Swimming wrapped up. Golf wrapped up. Now, cross country is done as well. And don't know when we're going to have sports again. So we're going to enjoy the sectionals and regionals that we just had as long as possible. Lots of guests lined up or in the works of talking to for Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I am Brandon Lachance, your host. Always ready to talk sports, of course, and everything else. Life is life. Got to enjoy it all. Going to break down the Bears game a tad. That was last night, Sunday. Watch some of the Tampa Bay and New York Giants game today. Want to break down the MLB awards as the finalists have come out for both the American League and National League. All kinds of Chicago baseball players and managers in there. That's always fun. Want to see Chicago win some awards? And, of course, you know we got a guest. On episode 126 of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, we have LaSalle Peru Jr. Peyton Heggie, who won her second sectional title this season. She won one last year and then won one this year in the same event, the 50 Freestyle. So congrats to Peyton. Always a pleasure to speak with her. And she's back. She was here last year. She's here this year. And we're already making plans for her to come back next year. She also finished second in two other events. Just a crazy awesome swimmer. Gets it done. She gets it done. So we talk all kinds of awesomeness with Peyton on this episode. And like I said, or like I've mentioned, this week is going to be amazing. We have all kinds of guests. We're going to do a show every day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We're just going to cram them out and let you enjoy. And speaking of that, I want to thank the people that have been sending me messages and coming up to me saying, hey, really like what you're doing with the podcast. It's cool. It's unique. And thank you for shedding some light on Illinois sports, athletes, coaches, and things like that. I appreciate it. That's what I wanted to do. I enjoy this. I have a ton of fun. And hopefully the people joining, guests on the show, are also enjoying it. So thank you for listening. Much love and appreciation to every single person that hits the play button. And you can push the play button on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and Google Music. Catch us on social media, Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and Twitter, Edge of Your Seat P. Shoot us an email if you have any questions, suggestions, want to be a guest, think you know who would be a good guest, got a story idea. Want to talk about advertising? Want to send box scores or just information to talk about on the show? Feel free. Edge of your seat podcast at gmail.com. And got to give a huge shout out to my guy, my friend from college, SIU, Salukis All Day, Brian Cavelli for the intro and outro beat. Like I said, that's my guy. And he hooked it up with an amazing beat that I might keep on here forever. Somebody sends me one that they made, created, put some love and heart into it. Maybe could replace Brian's. But for now, like that's the theme song. Going a year strong and no luck of slowing that down. Let's jump into the cross country sectionals that were on Saturday. We'll start with 1A, the Seneca sectional. Lots of local athletes there for the men. The top three teams were Rockford Lutheran, who had a 63, 
Sherrard was second with 100. And Amboy came in third with 109. If there was a state tournament, this would have been the first time ever that the Clippers qualified for state as a team. And it doesn't matter if there's not a state tournament. They qualified. So this is the first time. We'll just call it that. They deserve to be called state qualifiers because in my book, in most people's book, they should be or they are. So congratulations to the Clippers, 109 points for third. Seneca was fifth with 151. Newman was ninth with 200. Fieldcrest tallied 247 for 12th. And Byron with a 323 was 13th. Individually, the runners will start by breaking down Amboy. Brock Loftus was 6th with a 17-16. Kyler McNitch was 11th with a 17-36. Ian Eller was 14th with a 17-40. Charlie Dickinson came in 42nd with a 18-40. And Andrew Jones in 1918 was 67th. Kind of jumped these around a little bit, just going by schools and the way they placed, and then some individuals that were not on a qualifying team, a.k.a. Marquette Senior Lucas Hoffman, with a 17, 3.6, finished fourth. Congrats to Lucas. That's an amazing time. Seneca's Austin Albridge, a freshman, finished seventh with a 17, 17.3. 17 Junior Colin Van Steckelman, was 26 with an 1809.5. Corey McGibbon, a sophomore from Anawan Weathersfield, was 39th with an 1835.9. From Newman, junior John Kraft was 47th with an 1845. Fieldcrest, junior Mason Stoger, was 9th with a 1731.5. And teammate senior Christian Skaggs was 35th with an 1824.4. Byron's best finisher was junior Carter Conderman, who came in 59th with a 1904.6. For the girls at the same sectional in Seneca, Winnebago won it with a crazy impressive 15 points. They had five individuals finish in the top six. Winnebago just bam, 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 all in the top six. That's crazy. Rock Falls was second with the 109. Seneca third with a 141. Oregon took 10th with a 221. Byron with a 263 was 11th. Princeton was 12th with a 272. And Amboy was 14th with a 316. For Seneca, three runners in the top 25. Senior Amber Vroman was 11th with a 20-minute 46.7 run. Ashley Osbig was 12th. She's a sophomore from Seneca with a 20-50.3. And coming in 25th, junior Audrey Jenkins with a 21-32.8. Anawan Weathersfield freshman Kennedy Anderson, talk about a crazy awesome score and finish for a freshman. Came in 7th with a 20-minute 20 21.8. Oregon junior Faith Mariquad came in 28th with a 21-38.3. Byron junior Rebecca Starwalt was 20th with a 21-11.6. Princeton had two buddies running together, finished relatively similar times. Junior Jenna Loftus came in 32nd with a 21-53.1. And sophomore Lexi Bohms was 36th with a 22-3.5. Amboy's best finisher was junior Lauren Althaus, who came in at 22-28.2 for 47th. And her teammate, freshman Ellie Jones, was 50th with a 22-42.5. Freshman Lily Craig from Marquette came in 61st with a 23-5.3. With a 23-11.6, Henry Sinatuan, freshman, Hope Self was 63rd. And Brady Mudge, junior from St. Bede, came in 77th with a 23-42.7. I wonder how it was for them running on Halloween. 
Hopefully they ain't spooked out or anything on the courses. It could happen. You know, it could happen. If I was an athletic director, well, probably not in a regional or sectional, but if I was an athletic director and we're running around the track, the course, I'd probably try to scare somebody. I probably would. Maybe not in the postseason because that's just not cool. But in a regular race, oh, I definitely would have tried to scare somebody. Hop out behind a tree, scare somebody. Got to, got to. At the Class 2A Peoria Notre Dame sectional. At the Class 2A Peoria Notre Dame sectional. Metamora and Morton both had 66 points. They had Metamora winning because they had two racers at second and third. Morton had fourth and fifth. I don't know what the tiebreaker was. But, they did have the better times at the very top. Third was Peoria Notre Dame with a 105. Geneseo took fifth with a 145. Morris with a 277 was 10th. And LaSalle Peru with a 318 was 11. Individual wise, broke down the top 50 of local runners and then anybody that was not on the qualifying team grabbed their score real quick. Geneseo Senior William Plumley was 14th with a 1617.6. Junior Ryan Hartman from LaSalle, Peru was 16th with a 1620.5. Justin Johnson, a junior from Geneseo, was 22nd with a 1626.2. With a 1643.2. Sophomore from Geneseo, Gavin Allison was 35th. 37th was Streeter sophomore Cody Danko with a 1644.5. And sophomore Tyler Gell from Geneseo came right behind him at 1644.6 for 38th. Morris came in 42nd and 50th. Senior Nico Ferrio came in 42nd with a 1648.2. And sophomore Caden Welch with a 1655.7 was 50th. Ottawa sophomore Liam Tipple ran a 1752.8 for 80th. Girl style, Morton took the W with a 58. PND, Peoria, Notre Dame had a 68 for second. Washington with a 92 was third. With a 106, Geneseo took sixth. Morris had 265 for ninth. And Ottawa came in 11th with 314. Geneseo was all over the top of this leaderboard. The top 50 saw Geneseo everywhere. Geneseo senior Esther Brown was 7th with a 1913.4. Senior Avery Magerkurth was 9th with a 1918. Morris slipped in there with a 20th from sophomore Joy Dudley who ran in 1939. Then back to Geneseo who took 24th, 34th, and 45th behind Lacey Laxton, Jade Flowers, and Anna Snyder. Ottawa's Laney Billings, she's a junior, took 47th with 2051. Also from Ottawa, senior Lexi Jett was 54th with a 21.2.1. Streeter senior Abby Seaton had a 21.7.4 for 56th, and LaSalle Peru junior Brianna. Pijanowski was 68th with a 22.5.5. Man, those times are crazy. I can never, never do that. Three miles, 3.5 miles in that time? No way. Never in my life. At the Class 2A Lake Sectional in Lake Villa, boy style, Crystal Lake Central had a 92 for first. Kalen was second with a 100. Burlington Central was third with a 117. And Sycamore came in 10th with a 2.17. For Sycamore, their two best runners were senior Jack Cambier with a 16.32.78 and junior Nicholas Kocher with a 16.73.6. Sandwich senior Steve Aguilar was 26th with a 16.37.44. Dixon came in 30th from senior Caden Grafton with a 16.44.11. Junior Javon Bruce from Sterling with a 1652.52 was 36th. And Plano senior Martin Diaz took 79th with a 1724.75.
on the girls' side of the 2A Lake sectional. Crystal Lake South won it with a 71, Vernon Hills second with an 85, and Prairie Ridge, which is also in Crystal Lake, was third with a 90. Dixon was one point out of finishing in the top three with a 91 for fourth. Sycamore was 12th with a 312, and Sterling was 15th with a 417. Dixon pulled a Geneseo and was all over the leaderboard, having five runners in the top 26. Jade Miller was 10th. She's a senior from Dixon. She ran a 1844.6. Freshman Emma Smith was 15th with a 196.44. Sophomore Emily Conderman was 19th with a 1925.76. Taylor Hills, she's a senior from Dixon, was 21st with a 1927.14. And senior Paige Steers was 26th with a 1936.24. Sycamore junior Lily Baker ran a 1940.4 for 30th. And Sterling sophomore Kylie Nicholas was 63rd with a 2042.95. At the 3A Lions sectional in LaGrange, Illinois, the DeKalb boys finished 12th with a 324, with sophomore Riley Newport coming in 18th with a 1542.78. The Lady Barbs did not go as a qualifying team, but they did have two sectional qualifiers as individuals, and junior Anika Birchill, who was 90th, and junior Leah Valentiner, who finished 98th. Congratulations to everybody that ran in the sectional, that placed well, that finished. Congratulations to you, that is not easy to do, and you were able to. Hold your head up high, even if you didn't finish where you want to, you got to run, and everybody is proud of you for being able to do so, especially in this weird COVID-19 era that we're in. No doubt about that. We're definitely happy to be running and talking about the running in this COVID-19 pandemic that we find ourselves in since March. It's now November. And there's also other things we like to do like working on our house, remodeling our house, fixing our house, making our homes comfortable and amazing. Whether it's a light fixture or an entire kitchen remodel, Olson Construction is here to help. The family owned and operated company prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty. Olson Construction specializes in roofing, siding, windows, doors, deck designs, remodels, garage additions, and room additions. Brothers Keith Milas and Tommy Olson have been in construction for over 10 years and are willing and able to take care of your home renovations from start to finish with your thoughts and opinions taken with every step of the journey. For a free estimate, call Olson Construction, which is fully licensed and insured at 815-910-5982. Olson Construction can also be reached on Facebook at the Olson Construction LLC page or via email olsonconstruction19 at gmail.com. Couple of random rapid fire topics I want to discuss real quick. Illinois high school basketball. Please, I wish we knew what we were doing. The IHSA, Governor J.B. Pritzker, the health department, battling back and forth trying to decide if basketball should be played in the winter or try to push it to spring or cancel it altogether. They say they're just putting it on hold, that they're not canceling everything, but it has been moved to a medium risk, to a high risk for the spread of COVID-19. IHSA battles back J.B. Pritzker and the Illinois Health Department and says, look, we're gonna play. There's no reason that they shouldn't play. Then Pritzker and the government says, we didn't say you couldn't play, we're just holding it. And if you want to practice, okay, maybe just not right now. And then a couple days later, not at all. And it's just a back and forth and somebody make up their mind. So IHSA says, hey, it's up to the high schools if they want to play or not. So the governing body who makes the decisions most of the time or all of the time is now saying, you know what? We don't want to get caught in the mix here. 
if something bad happens and you know kids start catching this COVID-19 because of basketball, we don't want to be associated with it. Or if players start losing scholarships or aren't able to gain traction for their future as a basketball player, you know, it was on the high school. It wasn't us. That's what I'm getting from the IHSA. And I thought they were handling this COVID-19 as best as they could. They tried to push seasons, maneuver it to have the less contact or no contact at all sports first and push the ones that are a little more hands-on or you're closer to each other further on as we're trying to wrap up this pandemic and get over it. Well, it's not going anywhere. Actually, cases are skyrocketing again. And Illinois is shutting down bars and restaurants on Wednesday. In two days. It's not going anywhere. At least not anytime soon. We've been dealing with this since March. It's November. And there is no end in sight. So we have to figure out what we're going to do and keep it that way. Instead of saying yes, no, yes, no, maybe, well, okay, well, that's what we're doing. If it was grown adults or people that are trained or learned to adapt to things, okay. But we're talking about 14 to 18 year old kids who just want to play sports or be safe and not play them. But again, I've said this on a podcast before. It's like you're dangling a cookie, a cracker, a carrot, a cupcake, whatever. You're dangling it in front of their faces and then pulling it away real quick. Then you're throwing it back in their face, like, eat it. And then you're pulling it away again. Like, nah, just kidding. Ah, that's what's going on here. How is that fair to them? I know it's a pandemic and this virus is not planable. You don't know what it's going to do. Nobody knows what it's going to do. But we should, at this point in life, in 2020, know how to better manage our decisions and the way we deal with children. There's emotions. There's mental issues. Mental health. We got to think about all of those things when we are making these decisions. Again, if they were older, college kids, okay. Professional athletes, all right. Don't want that to happen, but if it did, you know what, you're grown. You can get used to it. You can handle it. Not kids that don't understand what's really going on. Not that we understand what's really going on, but they have no clue. They don't know how to adapt. Some do, mature ones, but they're not all like that. We're not all like that. And that's not their fault. It's not their fault at all. But dangling the carrot and saying you're going to do something, and then the next day or two days later saying no, that's not right. That's not right at all. And to be a governing body, make decisions all the time, and then when it becomes really hairy and it's a huge decision and there's a lot of speculation and people are going to voice their opinions about your decision either way, you put it on the high school and athletic directors so they could be the bad guys. So the parents and kids that might not get to play or want to play and you're not going to let them, it's your fault. Let's go to the high school and to the athletic directors because they're the ones that said no. Because IHSA didn't want to make the decision. That's not right or fair to all of the high schools in Illinois. Not at all. There was a survey, I guess, with a athletic director meeting. At this meeting, there was close to 400 ADs there. 62 of them said uncertain if they would play basketball in November. 29% said no, and 9% said yes. They don't know what to do. They don't know the decision, and they shouldn't have to. They're not the governing body. There's a reason there's that power put in place or that government for things just like this. They should be making the decision, not high schools. I just think the whole situation is unfair. IHSA should make the decisions. The health department's got something to say. Government Pritzker's got something to say. The three parties should meet up and make some decisions. But I don't think putting it on the high schools to decide, hey, we're going to play or hey, we're not, in the middle of a pandemic, when any other time that something's going on, it's IHSA's call, and they're happy about it. Like, hey, we did this to make things better. Well, now it gets sticky, it gets a little hairy, and you're passing it off. Not cool, man. Not cool. 
I appreciate the IHSA and have been very, very fortunate as a writer, as a blogger, as a player myself, as a coach, as everything to be part of it. And I'll always be part of it. But just like a family, when you see somebody doing something you don't like or you think isn't right, you should say something. This isn't right, IHSA. It's not. I did go out last night on Sunday to Rosati's, get some pizza. Actually, I didn't get a pizza. I got an Italian beef and some cheese fries. I can make pizza at my house. But the Italian beef, I'd rather have it in a restaurant. So I had to go out before things closed back up on Wednesday. It's sad, but I understand it. We got to be trying to get rid of this thing. If we could just make a one huge quarantine, everybody actually do what we need to do, that'd be perfect. But the problem is, is people got to work. People are going to be around each other. Try the best we can, but at this point, like I said, is there really an end to this? I'm not trying to be the bearer of bad news or expand the weight and size of the elephant in the room known as COVID-19, but let's be honest, there really isn't a light at the end of the tunnel right now. Want to say a rest in peace to Sean Connery, former Bond, James Bond actor. He was actually also in one of my favorite movies of all time, and that's Finding Forrester. If you've never checked out Finding Forrester, check it out. I think it's late 90s or early 2000s. Basketball, writing, two of my passions. And it's got a good story. Sean Connery is a legendary writer, wrote a book, and then kind of disappeared. Just kind of went into his apartment in New York and just chilled. Read a lot of books, super crazy smart, but closed the world to himself. And then this kid stumbles upon him and they become buddies and he's teaching him how to write and making him more intelligent, making him a better writer. And it's a pretty awesome, awesome movie. If you've not seen Finding Forrester, check it out. There was a demolition derby in Mendota on Halloween. Hopefully you went. I seen a lot of the cars, they looked amazing. I was not able to go, but they're always a good time. If you hear or know of a derby in Mendota, try to go. Always, always, always a great time. Gotta help our community thrive, stay alive, and go to these events and helping out the community with fun, finances, and just community togetherness. Especially in a time like this. Can't really be really, really close to each other, but we can at least be in the vicinity and try to enjoy life as we know it. This is my little rapid fire topics that I just wanted to talk about real quick. It is really sad that Sean Connery passed. Great actor. He did live to the age of 90. So a full life with tons of achievements, accomplishments, and fans of all types. So rest in peace, Mr. Bond, James Bond. Well, although the times are tough and we're trying to social distance, we still gotta worry about ourselves, our mental health, and our physical fitness. Since 2015, LP CrossFit has been offering something unique to the Illinois Valley, a customized way to get in shape while having fun. Whether you're new to exercise or an experienced athlete, LP CrossFit is the right place for you. LP CrossFit is a diverse community with a culture focused on fun and hard work. All members know each other's names and support one another during workouts. LP CrossFit will help you reach your goals and get into the best shape of your life. LP CrossFit offers a weekly schedule of classes for every fitness fan. Whether you want to dial up the intensity or take a more relaxed approach, LP CrossFit's trained coaches tailor each and every workout for every athlete in every class. CrossFit classes are programmed with a mixture of body weight, gymnastic, barbell, and other movements to build strength and endurance. All small group classes are coach-led, and all movements are infinitely scalable so they can work with any fitness level, injury, or mobility restriction. Check out LP CrossFit on Facebook, online at lpcrossfit.com, or in person in the Peru Mall across from Secret Nails. You'll never have so much fun while getting so fit. Hopefully you were watching football on Sunday. I mean, that's what it's there for, Sunday football. You should always be watching football. It's amazing. <laughs> Hopefully you are. Hopefully you are. 
But I wish I wasn't watching the end of that Chicago Bears game. They lost to the New Orleans Saints 26-23 in overtime. I was surprised it was that close. Kind of thought the Saints were going to hand it to the Bears coming into the game. Didn't want that to happen, and I'm glad it was a three-point game. Glad there was an overtime and Bears were in it and had a chance. But they didn't have a chance because of their offense. It was all defense. That defense is still nasty. Nasty is in incredibly hard-hitting and physical. They put pressure on quarterbacks. They're always in your face. Kyle Fuller was doing it up. He did have a penalty or two that were kind of silly, but he did it up. Javon Wynn throwing a blow at the cornerback for the Saints. Uncalled for, for sure. He did say that the dude spit on him. That's not right. We're grown men playing a game you're getting paid millions of dollars to play. What are you doing? What are you doing? That's all I got to say about that. I'm not going to glamorize fighting in a football game. But definitely all defense for the Bears. Nick Foles was 28 of 41 for 272 yards, two touchdowns, but also threw an interception. Really similar stats to Drew Brees. Drew Brees was 31 of 41, so completed three more passes in the same amount of attempts as Nick Foles. 280 yards, which eight more, and two touchdowns. However, he did not throw a pick. The rushing game finally did something for the Bears. David Montgomery, 21 carries, 89 yards. That was good to see. Haven't been running the ball extremely well, but Montgomery definitely did his thing in this game. For the Saints, Alvin Kamara, 12 of 67 on the ground. I'm like, oh, it's you know, not his usual numbers, but he also had nine catches for 96 yards. That dude is a monster. Monster. In the air for the Bears, wide receiver Allen Robinson, six catches for 87 yards and a touchdown. That dude is money. He can catch everything. He's fast. Good route runner. I'm loving me some Allen Robinson this year. But to me, the MVP for the Bears was a field goal kicker, Cairo Santos. I know. We're talking Chicago Bears. We never say MVP and field goal kicker in the same sentence since Robbie Gold. But... He made a 44-yard kick, 29-yard kick, 51-yard kick, and two-point after kicks. I'm going to take that and say that's an MVP. Will Lutz for the Saints won the game for him in overtime with a 35-yard field goal. Ugh. That's all you can say as a Bears fan. Is, ugh. Picks-wise, I went 9-5. Not great, not bad, just whatever. The ones that I was wrong about. I picked the Panthers over the Falcons. Falcons won 25-17. If you do picks and you did not pick the Titans to beat the Bengals, I would be highly, highly surprised. The Titans coming off a close loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers, but other than that, hadn't lost to anybody. They were undefeated before losing to the Steelers. But the Bengals beat them 21-20. Joe Burrow is the real deal. 249 yards and two touchdowns for the Bengals to give them that dub. 31 to 20. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I chose the Lions over the Colts. That was a bad move. That's the OG's pick of the week as the Colts won 41 to 21 by 20 points. Yeah, that was a bad pick. Here's another one that probably everybody got wrong. Choosing the Packers over the Vikings. Vikings won 28-22. That's not an OG's pick. That's a, hey, it's about time that the Vikings are playing well. They got talent. They've had talent. They got guys that know how to play this football game, but just haven't. They haven't been clicking. So I'm not really surprised at this. And the Packers, for some odd reason, have been falling off. Here's another, what? How did that happen, pick? The Dolphins beat the Rams 28-17. The Dolphins, who don't have a great offense, Tua, I'm not going to try to butcher his last name, Quarterback from Alabama, got drafted. He's a Dolphin. Tua, it's Tua time. First start in the NFL, not a great offense. And they beat the Rams, who looked amazing against the Bears last week, 28-17. Never would have guessed. Once I got right, I picked the Saints over the Bears, 26-23. I picked the Eagles over the Cowboys, 23-9. I picked the Bills over the Patriots, 24-21. 
I chose the Raiders over the Browns, 16-6. Chiefs, that was a lock, over the Jets, 35-9. I went with the Steelers over the Ravens, 28-24, and probably what was the game of the week. I did go with the Broncos over the Chargers. They won by one, 31-30. Seahawks kept me in the win column with a 37-27 win over 49ers. And tonight, I did start probably midway through the third quarter this podcast, but I was watching up until then, eating some din-din after work and going to the gym. But did go with the Buccaneers, who defeated the Giants 25-23. Way closer than I thought. And the Giants had a lead there for a little bit, and I'm like, how are they leaving the Buccaneers? This Giants team is not good. But it's football. Any given Sunday or Monday, anything can happen. But I'm glad the Bucks did get the win. While I was watching that, I kept seeing text alerts for awards for MLB, the postseason stuff, rookies of the year, players of the year, coaches of the year, all that jazz. But one of them made me laugh really, really hard. And I'll go over it later after I go through other ones too. But Ricky Renteria, the White Sox manager that they let go and then hired Tony La Russa to replace him, he is a finalist, one of the final three for the AL Manager of the Year Award. I'm sorry, but that cracks me up. Dude doesn't even have a job anymore, but you're going to put him up for an award. That's funny. It's really funny. But I did just mention La Russa getting hired. I have not broken this thing down. He's 76 years old. He played in the MLB 1963 to 73 with stints and breaks and wasn't like an everyday player for a while. Played for the Royals, the Athletics, the Braves, and the Cubs. As a manager, way more success. As a White Sox manager from 1979 to 86. Won a World Series with the Athletics in 89 and was with the team from 86 to 95. If you're a sports fan, we all know about that magical run with the St. Louis Cardinals. He was there from 1996 to 2011. Managed players that you might have heard of like Mark McGuire and Albert Pujols. He won two World Series there in 2006 and 2011. So the man does have three World Series rings. Now, after not managing since... 11, 2011, he's coming to the Sox for 2021. He is a Hall of Famer in just about every Hall of Fame he could be in. He's in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. He's in the Athletics Hall of Fame. He's in the Cardinals Hall of Fame and has the number 10 retired for him there. Yes, he is very, very, very successful in a long pedigree in the game of baseball. However, I don't ever try to age a man and say, hey, you can't do something at a certain age. But it's 76, trying to connect, trying to get players to listen to you, to follow you, to understand your logic of the game. That's really hard to do 76 to, we'll say, a median age is 25, or maybe 29. Anywhere in between there, from early mid-20s to, say, you retire at 40, if you're a legend or an epic player that can stay around for a while. At 40, you're still 36 years younger than this guy that is trying to tell you how to play the game that you've been playing for your whole life and are probably in the best shape of your life. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen that Tony doesn't know how to talk to him. He is a very successful manager that wasn't the same age as other people. And usually the coaches and managers are older than the players. But there can also be that disconnect. I hope there's not. I mean, if he could get the White Sox to the next level, perfect. Perfect. But do I think A.J. Pruszynski would have been a better hire? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. It would have been like the Cubs hiring David Ross. Just coincidentally, they were both catchers, and they both won World Series with those teams. But A.J. knows the game, is a personal guy, hard-headed, And it probably has respect from everybody in that White Sox organization. Not saying Tony La Russa doesn't. But just don't see the connect there and how he is going to make things work with a group of people that he probably can't relate to at all. 
Let's break down these awards and then let's get to Peyton Heggy. We gotta talk some swimming, some sectional championship, some awesomeness with Peyton. We'll start with the MVP awards for the American League. Jose Abreu, White Sox, my pick, my pick. I really hope he wins, he deserves it. He led the AL in hits with 76, led the AL in slugging percentage at .617, led the MLB in RBIs with 60, total bases 148, and he was second in the league in homers with 19 to Luke Volt's 22. Was all over the place, did everything. The other two AL nominees are DJ LeMatthew from the Yankees and Jose Ramirez from the Cleveland Indians. The national MVP picks, the Dodgers, Mookie Betts, Atlanta Braves, Freddie Freeman, and the San Diego Padres, Manny Machado. I like all these players. I'm a fan of all of them, but I'm gonna go Mookie Betts. He won the AL MVP in 2018. It'd be really super cool to see him win the NL with the Dodgers, and he was a stud the entire year. Cy Young Award for the American League. Cleveland Shane Bieber. Minnesota Twins, Kenta Maeda. Toronto Blue Jays, Yoon Jin Ryu. I'm gonna go with Shane Bieber. Every time the White Sox played against him, I was hoping he wasn't pitching, cause he's kinda scary. That dude has got four nasty pitches, he can throw anything and get it by anybody. He's nasty. For the National League, Cincinnati's Trevor Bauer, Chicago Cubs' Hugh Darvish, and the New York Mets' Jacob DeGroom. All great pitchers. I'm going with my boy Hugh Darvish. Say my boy sort of loosely because I am hard on him sometimes. But he started off the season 7-0 with a .98 ERA. Wrapped up the season 8-3 with a 2.01 ERA. Pretty solid numbers. Got the job done for the Cubs. Didn't start off his Chicago career awesomely, but he's getting the job done and proven to be worth his contract. Rookies of the Year, National League. Alec Baum from Philadelphia Phillies. Jake Cronenworth from San Diego Padres and Devin Williams from Milwaukee Brewers. Cronenworth is a monster. He can hit the ball everywhere. His defense is solid. He played all over the infield. Second base, shortstop, maybe first. Utility player who can hit the ball and did it at a high clip in the MLB. That's my pick. American League. Houston Astros, Christian Javier. Nope, anybody on Houston not getting a vote from me whatsoever. Seattle Mariners, Kyle Lewis, and the White Sox, Lewis Roberts. I will give you one guess who I'm going to pick. Yes, you are correct. Lewis Roberts was mad, 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 mad awesome at the bag. Hit 10 home runs in the first 33 games. He finished with 11th to tie with Kyle Lewis for the rookies. Led all rookies with 31 RBIs. Just really good on the bag and helped the White Sox a ton. Manager of the year. We'll start with AL. Jokingly, I want Rick Renteria to win just because he doesn't have a job anymore. But hey, you did such a great job. We'll give you an award while you're sitting at home watching this other guy coach our team next year. Thank you. But also in the running is Kevin Cash from Tampa Bay Rays and Charlie Montoya from the Blue Jays. All three deserving. Even if it's kind of a joke that Renteria doesn't have a job anymore, they all were deserving. But I would go, in honesty, all honesty, Kevin Cash. The Rays were a blast to watch. They finished 40-20, and 20, got to the World Series. Their .667 was the best winning percentage in Rays history. Even though it was a short season compared to the 162-game season, but still, that's not easy to do. In the National League, kind of the same situation. Don Mattingly from Miami, David Ross from the Cubs, and Jace Tingler from San Diego. I would love to see Ross get it, but I just feel if I was 
not a biased Chicago fan. I would go with Tingler from San Diego. First playoff appearance since 2006. Their .617 percentage for their 37-23 record was the best ever for them. For the Padres. And they were lots of fun to watch. Hitting crazy amounts of grand slams, home runs, and just an offensive juggernaut all through the year. So my pick would be for San Diego's manager, Jace Tingler. If you do not agree with my picks or think your picks are better or anything like that, let us know. Send us an email, Podcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media, Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, Twitter, Edge of Your Seat P. Long intro, lots of stuff to talk about. It has been fun, but more fun awaits with LP Junior Peyton Hagee talking about swimming, sectional championships, all kinds of other awesomeness. We will be back all week. Make sure you check out the schedule that is already on Facebook and shows will be coming out every night throughout the week. Well, until next time, peace. I always thought I was a good swimmer. Not great, but okay. Our guest today is a fantastic swimmer and would blow me out of the water in my best day. I am talking about LaSalle Peru Jr. Peyton Hagee. How's it going, Peyton? It's going good. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. I'm not lying, Emma. You would whoop me in the pool. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I mean, you are now a two-time sectional champ. You won 50 freestyle, finished second in the 100 freestyle, and second in the 100 breaststroke. So from Edge of Your Seat Podcast, congratulations on your sectional performance this past Saturday. Thank you. You had to have been feeling good. I mean, you got the results you wanted. Yeah, it was definitely a lot of fun, and I was pretty happy about my, my results. Um, considering everything going on, I probably would have liked a little bit of faster times, but overall I was pretty happy about it. Now, when you were out of the pool and you were, you know, thinking about what had happened at the sectional, were you more thinking about your victory, you know, being a sectional champ for the second year in a row, or, you know, I could have won three? What, what were you thinking more about? Honestly, probably more about how I could have won three, but I was still really happy about one. I just know that you're an uber competitor, so when I say that, I mean that in, you know, the most kindness way possible, but I know how competitors are. I am very competitive myself, so when you don't win them all, you're like, man, I could have done this, I could have done this, but I'm glad you're happy about that win, because that is phenomenal. What is it about the 50? Is it because it's quick? Is that your style? I mean, it seems like you win every time. Yeah, I like how intense it is. Um, definitely, I like how short it is, too, because, like, those longer events just kill you right off the bat, and then you're dragging it on, and it's just so tiring, but the 50, it's really quick and intense and really fast. Did you lose the 50 at all this year? Um, no, I don't think so. And if I remember right, so you're in four events every meet, so before the postseason, before the sectional, had you only lost one all year? I lost three. Our last homie, I did lose two events. So all the way through the season, to the very last regular season meet, you had only lost one, and then you lose two in the last one. Yes. Uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a total of around like 40-something events. Did you even think about it as you're going to the meets, as you're you know, getting in the pool, swimming, racing? Did you even think about the wins, or did you just do it because that's what you wanted to do? Um, I kind of thought about it, but at the same time, I kind of just went for it and swam and didn't think about it too much. But Coach Rob McNally, friend of the podcast, had him on before, friend of mine. How is he as a coach when it gets to things like that? Does he bring it to your attention? Like, hey, you've been racing like this, you haven't lost. Or does he try to keep it quiet just so, you know, you don't get in your head or anything like that? Um, I think he's really good about not making you feel too, like, put too much pressure on you. But at the same time, 
time is really good at giving feedback and how you can improve with all of your swims afterwards. Every time we get done out of the pool, we go over and talk to him, and he has a lot of things to say about how we can work on improving our stroke and our race the next time at practice and even at the next meet. Okay, so he wasn't like, hey, keep winning. This is the name of the game. Just trying to coach you to improve each time. Yeah. What were some things that you did? I mean, you're winning repeatedly all the time. What are you saying to yourself in your head to, you know, not get too confident or too cocky or think that you couldn't lose? Kind of just that I don't know how these swimmers are that I'm going to be racing. They have their own ways of winning too. So I just go in thinking that it's a new race every time. It seemed to work for you. Yeah. I'm guessing the 50 is your favorite race. Uh, yes. Where do the other ones that you rank do? I know you're in the 100 freestyle. You're in the breaststroke. What is the other, the fourth one that you're usually in? Um, I also like to do the 100 butterfly. All four of them. So take your four events that you're usually in. And what's your favorite one and what's your least favorite? My favorite is 50 free um, and then 100 free, then 100 breast and then 100 fly probably. Okay. But I like, I like the 100 breaststroke and 100 fly about the same. Are the movements, because they are different the way, you know, the swimming style, is it difficult for you to do either one of them? I know you just said you like them about the same. Is it, how does your body and mind react to those? I think the movement of doing breaststroke is a little easier, but when I do butterfly, I get a lot tired or quicker. But that's also probably because of the sprints and fly is just a lot different, I guess. Yeah, you could beat me in all four every day of your life. You may have been able to swim better than me as a baby. Oh, I don't know. I'm going to say that you could. <laughs> this was a different season. I'm not going to say difficult or, you know, bad, but it was unique. Um, things were things were changed. Things were canceled. You didn't get as long as of a season. There wasn't a state tournament that you qualified for last year as a sophomore. How did you adapt to that and just get into your head like, hey, I got to do what I got to do this year. I can't change anything. Well, at first it was pretty difficult. All the practices were kind of unusual. But I guess as the meets went on and the more we got used to it, it was a little easier, yeah, to adapt to it. Um, I kind of just thought that there's nothing I can do to change about it. So I'm just going to have to race like I normally do. Okay. So then it got easier as it went on. Yeah. How does this season rack up against last season? I mean, you're a sophomore. You were doing really well in the pool everywhere you went. You qualify for state. So was there any pressure on you this year? Or was it just, hey, I'm getting in the pool again? Um, there was a little bit of pressure. I definitely wanted to do as good as I did last year. Um, last year was really exciting because it was my first sectional win. So then this year, I, it was a little bit of pressure to try to do it again. Also a difference from last year to this year, this season to last season, was your sister. Ashley was a part of the team last year. She's graduated. Now it's just you in the pool. How was that for you? Was it weird? It was really weird, yes. Because you guys have been swimming together for pretty much your entire lives. Oh, yeah. It was definitely weird not having her there because she's always been there to push me at practice and cheer me on at meets. Um, and when she wasn't there, I guess I just didn't have that as much. After meets or, you know, after practices or anything, did you, like, send her texts and try to get advice from her? Yeah, she always watched my meets on the live streams that they had. So after them, she would FaceTime me or give me a text and tell me how I did. Was it usually helpful? Yeah. Did you tell her that you're the greatest swimmer alive? Mm-hmm. How did that go? I think she was maybe a little upset to say that, but <laughs> she has her sport, so. And that would be cross country? Cross country, yeah. She is a pretty phenomenal runner. Yeah. So it makes sense, like, hey, you have that one, I got this one. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. With your sister on the team, I mean, she was a senior, she was looked at as a leader. With her not being there, did you kind of step up in the leadership role or was it kind of like hey we're all a team we're all in this together what was kind of the vibe of the team uh i think together we were all we were all leaders in our own way to help each other um with anything but i mean i'd say 
I was able to help my teammates out a little bit with that leadership role just because I've been here for three years and some of my new teammates who are freshmen haven't really been on a high school team like this before. So we hard on them and make them swim 50 laps? Oh yeah, definitely. But then you probably just joined him because he wanted to swim. Yeah. <laughs> Wrapping up your junior year, even though it wasn't the normal season you're used to, you still were able to, you know, monitor how you were racing, see what you were improving on. What are some things that you're going to be focusing on moving into next year, your senior year? I definitely want to get into working out outside of the pool, like working on getting stronger, doing some dry land and strength training. Um, I haven't really gone into it that much, and I probably should. So that's definitely what I'm going to be working on for next season. When it comes to strength and being stronger, does that help with the endurance? Definitely. Does it help with anything else when it comes to swimming? I think it can help in both uh, your endurance and your sprints because I guess the stronger you are, the easier it is to move through the water. So you want to be the strongest swimmer ever? Yes. Or at least the strongest Peyton Heggie ever? Yeah. How has school been? Is LaSalle, Peru back in session? We are not back yet, but I know they're trying to figure out different ways that we can go back to school a little quicker than we're supposed to. But right now, online school, it's it's a little different and difficult. Um, so I'm hoping we do go back to school, but as of right now, I'm just trying to get through all my online stuff. So obviously, I'm not in school, so I'm like, hmm, if I was doing that... <laughs> Would I like it or not? Because you could legitimately sit at home in your pajamas and do whatever you want to while you're doing these classes, but you're not in that school environment when you're used to being with your friends and the experience of being in school. Do you feel that? Is it? It's got to be weird. Yeah, it's really weird. It's, I kind of lose motivation to do anything at home because, yeah, I'm just sitting in my PJs in bed trying to get my work done when at school I have a little more motivation to get my work done so when I go home I don't have to do anything else. I would definitely be a couch potato. <laughs> yeah. Watching anything good on Netflix? Um, yeah. Alright, you gotta give me what you're watching so maybe I'll check it out. Well, I'm watching Degrassi right now. I do not know what that is. Yeah. This one's from the early 2000s, but... What's it called again? Degrassi. Yeah, never heard of it. Maybe I'll have to look into it. <laughs> yeah. During the COVID quarantine and not being on a regular schedule where you're going to school every day, have you done anything else cool or built a house out of cards or done anything different? Honestly, I've not done very much at all. I just, um, I was sitting around with my dogs all day and tried to keep them busy too. So you became the dog whisperer? Yeah. I mean, that's doing something. Yeah. Did you teach them how to speak English? Um, not quite, but we're working on it. Okay, okay. I like your motivation, your teaching skills. Mm-hmm. Well, we're almost close to Halloween, which is like one of my favorite holidays. Is it one of yours? Oh, yeah, it's definitely up there and one of my favorite holidays. Perfect. Well, let's play a game. Let's play Hot Potato Halloween style. Are you ready for that? I'm ready. All right, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you two things, like red, green, and you pick which one you like better, okay? Okay. But this is going to be Halloween style. We'll start with ghosts or vampires? Definitely vampires. Skittles, M&M's? Oh, M&M's. Frankenstein, mummy? Mm, I think mummy. Hocus Pocus or Casper? Hocus Pocus. Michael Myers, Jason. Uh, Jason. Freddy Krueger or Chucky? Um, ooh, uh, Chucky? Black licorice, red licorice? 100% red licorice. Reese's Pieces or Twix? Twix. Halloween or Christmas? Um, maybe Christmas by a little bit. Halloween or Easter? Halloween. Halloween or Columbus Day? Uh, Halloween. <laughs> I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> if you would have picked Columbus Day, I would have thought something was wrong. Yeah. Halloween or Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving. Receiving candy or handing out the candy? Uh, I like handing out the candy. It's actually really fun. Yeah. 
not part of Hot Potato, what is your favorite Halloween costume that you have been in? One time I wore a dragon onesie, but mostly because it was cold outside and it was an excuse to wear pajamas. That sounds fantastic. I wish I would have been smart enough to do something like that. <laughs> yeah. Did you look like a real dragon? Definitely. I had the tail and everything. Could you breathe fire? Um, no. Did you try? Yes. Of course, you had to. <laughs> well, Peyton, congratulations on everything you were able to do in the swimming pool this year. I know you're going to keep working hard and be even better as a senior. Thank you for coming on Edge of Your Seat Podcast, sharing some swimming stories, sharing some Halloween love. Thanks, Peyton. Thanks for having me, and hopefully I'll be back next year.